Las Vegas, famous, fabulous playground of the West. A wide open town that never goes to sleep. Vegas! Vegas, baby, Vegas! You're either in or you're out. Right now. My best mates are going to Las Vegas this weekend. I'm told it's incredible. Las Vegas, here we go! <laughs> Pack your bags and get ready. You're going to Vegas with people who know Vegas. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Welcome to Vegas. No life's a wonderful thing, but sometimes tragedy strikes. We all must learn how to bounce back and persevere. Today, you'll meet one of America's most popular morning personalities who shares her story of dealing with death and heartbreak. Later in the show, you'll head downtown to meet a racing superstar, Gene Woods, who has created a great experience for Vegas visitors and residents alike. And a couple of regulars join us as well. The Wizard of Odds, also known as Michael Shackelford, shares his tips for increasing your odds in the sports book. Finally, your Vegas insider, Scott Robin of VitalVegas.com, talks about vintage dining in Vegas. Let's go to Vegas, baby. Let's go tonight. Let's go tonight. Let's go to Vegas. We'll stay up all night. Let's go to Vegas, baby. Let's get away. We've been there, or we know people that have been there. You have some unexpected, horrifying event that really changes your life in a moment. And our guest today is Maria Quibon Witzel. She's been through a, a, a tremendous tragedy, losing her husband, Sean. And through it, she has a, a story that was difficult to get through, but she turned something good into it. And that is coming together and writing this great book that kind of tells you how to deal with this. And boy, is it helpful to have. So the book is You Can't Do It Alone, A Widow's Journey Through Loss, Grief, and Life. Maria, you know, it is difficult and you really can't do this alone. It's just too hard to do. Yeah, you know, it's interesting what we've gone through, even as this country and this world in the last year with the pandemic. And, and, and it, there were a lot of parallels for me when we were going through our family and, and with Sean and handling his diagnosis with this feeling of, of being powerless and uh, just it's so difficult uh, for people right now. I'm, I'm imagining that I've gone through loss. Uh, especially during this this quarantine time or this COVID time. Maybe you've, you've gone and lost someone through COVID, but just any loss during this time. You really can't do this alone, and that's the sad part. And, and we've all had to quarantine. So like the title of my book, You Can't Do It Alone, is just so applicable to what's going on right now. No question. And what I find fascinating is, on the one hand, you're grieving, it's a horrible time, but on the other hand, you don't want to always associate those memories of your great husband with that. So how do you balance that? Because, you know, it's hard not to get sad, but on the other hand, you got to remember the great times, too. Oh, yes, for sure. Uh, I know for me, uh, I get some help every day because my husband and I have a, a young son, and uh, so he was five at the time. Uh, when when Sean died, he had just turned five. So there really is no question every day that Gus, our little, uh, he's not 10, is a constant reminder of his father. So he does make me laugh, and I see all the wonderful things that were his dad. And so I'm reminded by by those wonderful memories, certainly every day. And also, it is a choice. You know, we are we do choose to talk about daddy memories and uh, we'll, we'll often do it you know just organically on a daily basis if not 
uh, just a memory will pop up or, or something, and we'll inevitably talk about his, his dad and, and Sean and, and, and those particular memories. Well, and keeping a happy face is kind of what you do. I mean, you work on one of the best shows in Los Angeles, number two market in the country. Fox, you're the meteorologist in the morning. And I know, especially in the morning like that, you got to be happy and so forth because people are looking for you to get through the day. Is that kind of a challenge or did you find in a way it sort of helped because it kind of gets you through it? You know, you got to get you got to get through the day and it kind of helps you. Yeah, Definitely. Definitely did help me. A diagnosis like this, any loss that is so great uh, can paralyze you, certainly. For me, it did take that choice to, to get in my car, go to work every day, and it was sort of a getaway for me from, from the, the heaviness of home at the time. And then also even now, being able to sort of compartmentalize and leaving that that grief uh I guess, in my car before I got into the elevator and and then getting to work and putting on my work hat. Now, my job uh, is, is one of the better ones to have, certainly, uh, but also can be challenging, right? Because you're right. I have to get in front of the camera every day and I have to um, try to bring people uh, the weather, but, but also it's kind of like the, the happy moments often in the news. And I joke that my job is really the only part of the newscast that looks forward in time versus everyone else talking about what happened in the past, you know? So yes, it's a challenge, but it also saved me because it allowed me to laugh and smile, even though it was sort of manufactured in the beginning, inevitably it was, it was really organic and real. And, and it didn't hurt that I worked with so many wonderful people and, and they made it a point to always make me feel good, make me laugh. And our, and our TV viewer family, they did the same thing. They would send me so kind, so many kind messages of support. And then even to this day now, they're just uh, so wonderful to me and have kept tabs on me and my son, you know, five years later. So appreciative and grateful for that. Well, you know, the Fox LA team, you guys have a good reputation. I remember watching that whenever you'd go on a business trip to LA or something, you'd get changed with that in the background. And it was always kind of, <laughs> from what I understand, it's kind of a real positive group. You guys seem to like each other. We do. I can honestly say that, that we really are friends uh, off the set. And we used to get together all the time, but... You know, right now we can't really, but uh, we take advantage of, of technology and we'll often have, you know, some cocktail hours on Zoom. And again, to, to bring the title of my book, You Can't Do It Alone, we really can't do this alone. We can't do life alone, you know. <laughs> yeah. So we have, we have to reach out and, and take care of each other and, and use FaceTime and Zoom and, and technology to keep tabs on each other. Just make sure we're all okay, especially now, especially during this time. Folks, you're going to love this book because as I went through it, you, you are going to cry. It is it is tough to get through some parts, but the but if you stick with it, and you should, it really gives you a, a feeling of redemption and you kind of show the power of just being able to work through this stuff. So kind of run us through, I, I mean, it's such a horrible story. All of a sudden, you get this, and it kind of came out of nowhere, this horrible diagnosis. Kind of talk about what happened. Yeah, sure. Uh my husband, Sean, and I, uh, you know, we met when we were a little bit older, so we really already kind of took life and, and really appreciated every day, and we had our child. Uh, we tried really hard to have Gus after we were married, and uh, we got a miracle, and we got a miracle baby having him in my 40s, and so 
we were finally able, the, the two of us, to get away to a vacation that we'd always wanted. And so when Gus was three, we thought, oh, he's old enough to, you know, stay home with my parents. And so Gus and I, or Sean and I went to Paris mm-hmm. on a, a much-needed vacation. We both had never been to the city, and we both worked a lot, you know, like many uh, homes, many two uh, working parent homes. So we didn't see each other too much leading up to our trip. So when we were on this trip, it was really, I realized the first time we were together 24 seven for, for quite a bit of time. So on this trip, I realized that he was acting kind of strangely and he didn't get up before I did, which typically he would. Cause I, I really treasure sleep. As you know, working in, maybe you did the morning show for, for a while, but, you know, we're usually up at the crack of dawn, so we kind of shift in the night. So when I saw him in Paris, he slept in, which is so unusual for him. Back with more from mom, meteorologist, TV personality, author, and techie, Maria Quaban Whitesell, in just a moment. Just a reminder, please visit Vegas Never Sleeps online. For the very best in Vegas, it's VegasNeverSleeps.com. And for great sports, it's Sports R-A-C-X, which is available on radio stations nationwide and wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Sports R-A-C-X. Later today on Sports and Tours, we'll discuss Yankee baseball from the broadcaster's perspective with longtime TV play-by-play man John Sterling and former radio broadcaster Bill White. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi, coast to coast on the Talk Media Network. Okay, Sean, we need to talk about our training budget. We're spending almost $1,500 per employee each year. What's the plan? Well, ma'am, 42% of companies are saying that e-learning has led to an increase in revenue. What does that do about the travel expense? E-learning allows employees to learn wherever they are. Then we need to consider the time away from production. I heard that e-learning takes up to 60% less employee time than traditional classroom training. Perfect. Let's find a curriculum company, a development company, a learning management software company. Actually, Epsilon XR specializes in end-to-end learning solutions with tools such as instructor-led training, online classrooms, simulations, virtual and augmented reality, and curriculum development. Get Epsilon XR on the phone. Epsilon XR creates immersive learning environments that engage with your learner, resulting in improved information retention, which leads to better performance and ultimately an increase in revenue. Learn more at elearning.epsilonxr.com. Have your collectibles taken over your house? Well, maybe it's time for those treasures to find a new home, and I've got just the place to help you do that. The place to go is baseball cards and bobbleheads where they are always buying. Facebook Cards and Bobbleheads has over 35 years of experience buying collections of sports cards, memorabilia, bobbleheads, toys, action figures, comic books, Hot Wheels, Star Wars, movie posters, and more. If you've collected it, there's a good chance they'll buy it. No collections are too large or too small. Call Baseball Cards and Bobbleheads at 310-534-4180 or text them pictures of your collection. That number again is 310-534-4180. That's 310-534-4180. Baseball Cards and Bobbleheads, 310-534-4180.
Welcome back to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. You are listening to TV personality Maria Quaban Whitesell, author of You Can't Do It Alone, A Widow's Journey Through Loss, Grief, and Life After. He didn't plan our itinerary. He didn't write uh, a few pages like normally would. His profession, he was a, a writer professionally on, on television television shows. So I just found it strange that he wasn't doing that. He wasn't going to the gym. And then, and then the really telltale sign for me was he was very strong. He was fit. He ate right. Um, he, he couldn't hail a cab for us. And he was someone who lived in New York for many years. That's where we got married. That's where we, you know, had some amazing memories. So for this man, my strong husband, not to be, to not get a cab and that concept was just sort of missing for him during that time. And I just found that the most odd, odd behavior. So by the end of our trip in Paris, we were there for like 10 days, I, I was in tears and, and I, you know, made him promise to see a doctor when we got back. And even he felt like something was wrong. So we never dreamt in our lives that we would come home two weeks after we land. He does see his doctor, and then you get referred to, you know, different specialists. That that we he would have an MRI uh, because they thought, oh, maybe he's depressed, and all his blood work came out well. And then there we were two weeks later in the doctor's office seeing these big tumors that were deep in his brain. And it was just, it was so, it was like a big truck hit with the both of us, and we could not believe that this is happening to us. And so we asked those questions of why, you know, why us, why God? You know, we went to church, we ate while we were, we tried to help people. And, and we just, we couldn't help but remember that he was a writer. I wore a microphone every day. And maybe this was part of our purpose was to shine a light on glioblastoma, which is a disease that there is no cure for. And it can uh, get you, even if you are young or old, men, women, women, it, it can get you with no, a uh, real warning. And so I hope that someone can read this book and maybe be inspired to find a cure finally. Oh, a- absolutely. And, you know, again, what this book does, it shines a light on that, which I think a lot of people don't think about it. There's nothing like being told you've got cancer, uh, particularly something like that where, you, like you say, there's no cure or anything. How long a period of time before you start saying, okay, we got to start making some plans, or we, we, what are we going to do here? Because I imagine for a while you're just uh, shocked and you can't move. Yeah, it's paralyzing. I've I've heard and I've seen people be paralyzed by diagnoses like this or any kind of tragic set of news. And you know, between Sean and I and and our faith, I mean, certainly Sean was a uh, he was actually better Catholic than I was, but he I always took to him for the cues. And, you know, we did spend those moments of, of anger, and we cried out, and we were angry at God, but but we got around to realizing that, you know, maybe this is part of our purpose, and we we lived each day. We got there. It was a choice, but we did get to that place, and it's all in the book on how we were able to live each day like it was a month, and each month as if it were a year, and with a diagnosis like Sean's, which was we were given months, really. If, if the doctors told him that if we did nothing, he would have maybe three months to be with us. More with Maria Quiban Whitesell, who can be seen every day giving Los Angeles his daily weather forecast on Good Day LA, Fox 11 Morning News. Back with us again this week is Michael Shackelford, better known as the Wizard of Odds. Last week, Michael said Super Bowl specialty bets may be some of the best to play. 
But there's more to it, according to Michael. You know, you say you research it. I mean, is this a matter of pulling up statistics, going back in history? There's certainly a lot of that information out now available to anybody that wasn't forever at one time. Well, my whole philosophy with sports betting is I do not handicap. I trust that the over-under and the point spread are accurate because that's where everybody's pouring the money against. And I think the market is pretty efficient at pounding those lines to where they should be. So, uh, so I have a very complicated program where I put in the, the over-under and the point spread, and it's going to tell me what to expect from that game in terms of any given prop. So I, um, However, if, if there were a prop like, will so-and-so score a touchdown, then I am going to look at his particular history. I'm going to look at what ratio of touchdowns by that team are scored by him and how many touchdowns can I expect that team to score in that game, which I can easily get at, given the over-under and the point spread. What about hometown favorites? You know, one time, I remember going up to Reno, and when the 49ers were good and the Raiders were in Oakland, generally speaking, the odds were a little out of whack, where you could get a better deal betting against those teams. And down in Vegas, it was the Rams uh, in Los Angeles and so forth. Now you got the Raiders actually in Vegas but I'm getting the idea from what I've seen that it really doesn't make a difference anymore. Yeah, I, I agree. There, so much of so much of the money bet in sports is by betting is by a small number of people betting huge amounts of money, and these people generally don't have team loyalties. They look for where is the good value, and so yeah, I I agree with you that don't expect everyone in Vegas to say that the, the LA teams, it's, it's, it, it, that's just not going to matter. Now I will say though, that, um, with, with the public, they do like to bet the favorites and they do like to bet the overs. So there is a little bit of value in betting the unders and the underdogs. That's fascinating. That's not give you an advantage. But it's much better than doing the opposite. Well, yeah, and it sounds to me like so. If you just really you want to go have fun, you don't really care about it. You don't have an interest in the game itself. It sounds like the playing the under. I guess people just have a natural tendency to go over. So it's to your advantage, whatever amount that is, is to go the opposite way. Right. I mean, I think the average square recreational sports better likes to bet on the better team. You know, he likes to see his team scoring touchdowns, and um, that, that, I think that's just human psychology. So it always pays to be a contrarian in sports betting. Think, what is the average Joe ahead of you in line probably going to do and bet the opposite? If you go into a sports book, is there any advantage to, like, put you know, looking at the races, the horse races and stuff from all over the world, is there some advantage to that at all, or is it is that just strictly like like playing a slot machine in a way? Because eh, who knows? You probably got better odds than the slot machine, but that's about it. Yeah, betting the horses is not something I know a lot about. There is a big cut that the track takes of at least seventeen percent, and it is really hard to beat that takeout. And if you must bet the horses, just bet the, the plain bets, the win place in the show, because with the exotic stuff like the exactas and quinellas, many tracks take out an even bigger percentage of those. And, you know, I have heard secondhand 
of people doing okay betting betting the horses, but I don't know how they do it. It's something that I don't I the number of people I know personally that claim they can beat the track is zero. Thanks, Michael. Make sure to visit Michael at his website, wizardofodds.com. And don't forget to follow Sports Rockin' Tours, which now follows this show on most of these stations. You can also visit Sports R-A-C-X wherever you listen to podcasts. Listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi nationwide on the Talk Media Network. I'm Peter Pavone, and you're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Let's return to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. You are listening to Vegas Never Sleeps. We are chatting with meteorologist Maria Quiblon Waitzel, the author of You Can't Do It Alone, A Widow's Journey Through Loss, Grief, and Life After. And uh, if we were lucky, uh, you know, about a year. And so we tried everything. We, we changed our diet. We changed our lifestyle. And we got 18 months. Uh, amazing months with, with him. Yeah, yeah and, and that's one thing you get from the book, too. It's like, okay, this was horrible. We wish we didn't have to go through it. But you did make the best of it, and there was kind of, a, in a weird sort of way, an encouraging thing, because I'm thinking those months, while difficult, obviously, how grateful can you be? And, you know, and to have that faith with you just gets you through, and, and you really can appreciate the time you're given. Absolutely, and the, the, the kind of relationships we had, of course, our family, who is, I mean, they are all, my white soul family, my, my, my own parents, my set of, of friends and, and, and our work family, they all came together. And we were just astounded as to how much love and support we got. And you would be surprised, you know, if you asked for help, if you asked for something, people will come to you. And, and you know, we live in a society today where you know, we, we pull our own bootstraps. We can do this ourselves. And especially as a woman, for me, a very independent woman, and to ask for for help, you know, it, it, it's, it's a challenge. It's, it's not something that we're used to, and but we have to do it. And if you do, you will see how amazing people can really be and how amazing it feels to actually help other people. And, and I hope that the lessons we learn in this book uh, by the way, we did we did uh, partner up with a licensed therapist who who yeah. helps to really um, she she extrapolates what we went through and she makes it more universal so that everyone can get really something from our story. Yeah, I wanted to talk about that, Lauren Schneider, uh, and it, it, it's excellent because you can tell this is written. It, it's not only the actual activities and what happened there, but then piece by piece. So you can almost keep, well, you should keep this book kind of as a textbook because it sure could help anybody if you learn of a friend or family that has to go through anything remotely close to this. Especially if you have a child. You know, children, they grieve differently. They process information differently. And I can't have done what we were able to do with our young son, who was three years old at the time, to explain to him what a cancer diagnosis was and what language to use. And our family therapist, uh, her name is Betsy. I mean, she was incredible and, and so integral and, and important to help us 
use the kind of language that a three and a four and a five year old would understand when we talk about death and, and cancer. We never, for example, we never use the words like, you know, your daddy's sick or, or he's not, because then they can get confused and, yeah. and, you know, kids want to know if they're going to be safe. So we were always told him that daddy had cancer, that mommy did not have cancer and that he didn't have cancer. So at a very young age, we were able to explain to him, you know, what was going on. And I'm so, so impressed by him, even today, how, how well adjusted he is. And we, of course, continue therapy. And I'm a strong advocate for that, no matter what, if you're going through a diagnosis or not. But, but mental health is so important. We couldn't have done this without our team, for sure. Absolutely. And, you know, for Gus, I guess it's important not only to where you are now, but all the way until he's ready to fly, leave the nest. I guess as you get older, you get different things. And maybe as a teenager, you start questioning things again. So it's never just over after a year or so. No, 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 not at all. And the the interesting thing about our story is that, you know, life has a funny way of preparing you for something that's going to happen in the future. And uh, for me, as as a child, I was actually seven and a half. I was almost eight years old. And my own birth father uh, passed away. He he died suddenly, though. That's the difference between Gus and myself. And so my uh, my story was that... Um, when my dad died in an accident, I was, I was I was terrified as a kid, and I didn't know what was happening in our lives. My mother was very young at the time, so it was my brother and I, my younger brother. And so Sean and I um, wanted to make sure that Gus was never afraid or, uh, you know, felt insecure about his life and his future. So that was, you know, something that was in the back of my mind, and we wanted to make sure that he uh, would never be afraid of anything. So, yeah, he was our number one priority. And finally, it just seemed, again, when you read this, you realize the great family bonds, not only just the three of you, which certainly are great, but your entire family and so forth. And that's really helpful going through this thing because people can lift other people up. Yeah, I'm I'm so grateful every day still. I mean, you know, Sean may have left us, but he uh, gifted me and Gus with uh, five brothers. Uh, he can, He comes from a really large family, so there's there were six sons. His parents were six. I don't know how they did it. But uh, he has five brothers who are amazing uncles to Gus, and uh, they continuously, I we see them almost every weekend, if not talk to them at some given point every day or every other day. And uh, they are in our lives, and, uh, you know, those family bonds are, are so important. Well, this book is important. You really want to get it. It's called You Can't Do It Alone, A Widow's Journey Through Loss, Grief, and Life After. And I think it's really important to let people know, Maria, that while this is a very sad story, obviously anybody having to go through this, it's, it's, it's more promising because there's a lot of hope. And I'll let you know that it, you know these things happen in life, and if they are going to happen, there are ways to deal with it. And anybody that's been through it and learned that way, it's just great that you're sharing it with the world. Thank you so much. I really so appreciate that. You know, many people can relate to um, my story and that there's such heartbreak for us and my heart is, is broken into a million pieces and we keep moving forward, but it's these um, interviews that I do and I talk about the book and whatever someone says that the book has helped them in some way, it helps to heal my heart. And uh, this is I know this is part of our purpose and I, I hope that anyone who reads this will find their sense of purpose as well. I grew up a Catholic like you. You know, I'm a priest, I'm sure, have told you, you know, this is 
don't worry, we're going to a better place, and we got to believe them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And and I've had many talks with our, our priests here, Father Eric, Father John, and, and, and Father Frank. I mean, there's so many um, that have—we live very close to our church, too, so they were always here at our house, and I was so grateful for that. We pray together, and, and even though they don't have all the answers, you know, I have I had so many questions during that time, like, why? You know, why? <laughs> Um, I, I know that we're going to have our opportunity at some point, but, you know, Sean made sure before he left that we understood how much he loved us and how much loved he how loved he was. Yeah. And, you know, he, he, he reminds me and Gus every day that uh, we still have long lives to live. And, and, and so we keep living and we keep fighting for him now. And so uh, we strive to uh, continue to find joy and choose joy and choose, choose happiness. Well, I wish you and Gus nothing but the best. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on the show. And I look forward to seeing you. You're only in Vegas, so we're so close, and I hope I get to meet you in person one of these days. Have you been Portnoyed yet? Well, you should be. What does that actually mean, Neil Portnoy? Well, you know, Mona Van something. She's a psychic. Her name just slips me at the moment. At one of my networking events, said, you know, you're nobody in Vegas until you've been Portnoyed. I went, ooh, I kind of like that. So we started marketing, doing those portrait caricatures, and it's really caught on. Everybody wants to be Portnoyed. And what Portnoyed means is you send me a photograph, and I do a realistic cartoon caricature. Realistic looks just like you. And then I cartoon the body. And you then become part of the Portnoyd Wall of Honor here at Portnoy Gallery, which now, since its inception in 2017, has got over 60 members on the wall. It's the new Sardis of Las Vegas. Absolutely. Our own John, the announcer, is there. How do we get information we want to get Portnoyd? Uh, you can call the gallery at 702-685-2929 or on social media, Facebook, Portnoy Gallery. Artist Neil Portnoy, Neil Portnoy, idroppeople.com, and probably about six other places that, at my age, memory is the second thing that goes. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi, coast to coast on the Talk Media Network. What if every dollar you invested into your training program turned into $30 of revenue? What if your learning program was so engaging that your employees looked forward to annual trainings? And what if you could monitor the success and effectiveness of your curriculum with quantifiable metrics? Go to training.epsilonxr.com. E-learning has made each of these scenarios possible, utilizing tools such as virtual and augmented reality, simulations, and online instructor-led training provides a safe environment for employees to learn at their own pace. Go to training.epsilonxr.com. Here at Epsilon XR, we have 50 years of experience in creating powerful and effective training programs. We combine proven training methods with cutting-edge technology to create immersive training experiences. Are you ready to take your training program to the next level? Go to training.epsilonxr.com. 
training.epsilonxr.com. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Welcome back to Vegas Never Sleeps. When you visit Vegas, not all of the thrills come from the casino floor or showroom. Some come from childhood fantasies of go-kart racing. We're always on the lookout for a fun place for your kids to play and so forth. And for you to go have some fun. Not everything is just gambling and nightlife and so forth. Great place in downtown. Just opened here. It's been around town for a while, but this is the second location now. Gene Woods Experience. Racing Experience. And Gene Woods is a guy that knows sports, knows fast things. He's a motorcycle champion and then a car champion for a while. Gene, this just was, I guess, a, na- a natural finish to your career is to open up something like this and kind of open up the second side where you can kind of share your love of speed. Yeah, well, don't throw me in the trash yet. I'm not done racing. I might go back, but uh, no, absolutely. It's, it's how I grew up, and this is, uh, it is. It's my way of sharing my life with people and the thrill that you get from racing, and, and that's what makes us different. We actually let you race here. You line up, and it's green to checker, just like, I mean, it is a real race. We even give you a trophy and a trophy girl at the end. Now, it's a go-kart, but it's more than you just did what you think of as a go-kart back from the day. Kind of explain what they're going to do. First of all, who can run in this? Who can drive these? Anybody that's 12 years old or older and 4 foot 6 or taller. And the reason being is you have to be able to reach the controls. So what kind of vehicles are these? Because I was watching, and you're pretty fast out here. Yeah, these are actually Bowman race carts made in England, and these are the electric version of them. And they're responsive, amazing. I mean, if you know anything about Teslas and how they respond, well, this is the go-kart version of a Tesla. So somebody comes in, they pay, do you give them some instruction before they go out there, or how does, how does the process work? Absolutely. You come in and you watch an instructional video that's about three and a half minutes long that just goes over the basics of it. And then we do a little verbal instruction before you go out. And all the cars are monitored. We have a remote shutdown on them. So if somebody gets in trouble, we can, we can turn them off or shut them down. Yeah, and that's, of course, really important. I imagine you might get an occasional person that tries to bend a little of some of the rules, but by and large, uh, it takes away all the fun of it anyway, and you can stop that. No, absolutely. Some people think that they're in bumper cars, and, and that's not the case here. We're here to race and not, not just ram each other because uh, they're fairly expensive equipment, and, and it is dangerous. Well, this is great for kids, too, because, you know, there's a lot to do. And, of course, downtown is a great place anyway, but this is just kind of a fun thing, and it's a little different for Las Vegas. Now, this is a new location for you. What made you move to uh, downtown? Well, uh, having the ability to get a location on Fremont Street was something pretty phenomenal for us in this type of business. You know, there's 20-some million people that go down Fremont Street a year, and if we can capitalize that and expose our business to them, that's a huge advantage to us. And you have another location. Where's that? It's over by the airport, isn't it? Absolutely. It's right next to the airport. You can actually sit there and complete view of the strip and watch the airplanes land and it's a three-eighths mile elevation changed outdoor track Um, it's really a phenomenal facility the thing that's it is is you have to deal with the heat when you're over there during the summer and it's hot so that's what's make this one so nice and this is a little different situation you kids are into drifting or sliding sideways nowadays these carts actually slide sideways here so that's that's the fun of it Wow, and that's uh, something you got to get used to. I imagine the first time you drift a little bit like that, it can be a little scary. Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, the natural thing to do is panic, right? But, uh, you know, learn to, learn to handle that, and it's a real advantage in your everyday life. You're driving a car, and you've got to miss somebody on the freeway. Your car gets a little sideways, and you have that experience. Yeah, so this is a good place to go. And, I, again, kids can pick this up pretty fast, right? It's not like, like a 12-year-old, 13-year-old, you know, 
it's easy enough to get on there. They're really not putting their wives in danger or anything like that. No, no, and it's a great place to learn the basics. I mean, here's the gas, and here's the brake, and here's how you steer the thing. When it gets sideways, this is what you do. So, yeah, it's a great learning tool for uh, for people learning to drive even anything. Well, yeah, and it's interesting. So if you experience both tracks, you really you almost need to go to both places because they're kind of different experiences. This is like a shorter track, right? And, of course, you say it's indoors. The other place out there, let's take weather out of the equation. There's two different experiences, though. No, absolutely. One, the other track you really don't slide on. This track you slide. The other track's uh, probably 15 miles an hour faster than this track. Um, although this track you feel like you're flying here. So, I mean, if you can imagine going 20 miles an hour in the parking lot and turning left, that's what it's like. So. Yeah, it's kind of like a, a little sports car here that can do amazing things handling, and the other one's more a speed thing, right, if I understand you right? Well, yeah, it's a, it's a larger road course with elevation changes and bank corners. So uh, it's more of a real racetrack experiences, you know, like if you were driving a miniature Formula One deal. Any special equipment needed for this? No, we supply everything. You come here and we supply you with a helmet, a head sock, um, neck collar, seat belts. You just uh, come here with a good attitude and race. Motorcycles and cars, which did you prefer? I mean, I know you, you kind of got your start, right? It was uh, motorcycles, correct? Well, I, I grew up racing motorcycles. I was Honda's test rider when I was 10 years old, and then I made my living and fed my family racing motorcycles, and then later into race cars. Uh, you know, you can just only, the body can only take so much racing motorcycles, and, and about 35 years, you know, I was done a little bit sooner than that. So it was, it was a natural evolution into race cars. Was it just a love of speed and so forth? I mean, you've been in this all your life. Did you, were you just kind of naturally drawn to it? No, it was a fear of getting a regular job. So, but no, I mean, that's what I knew, and that's what I loved, and, and uh, that's, you know, you kind of stick with what you know. And if you're fortunate enough to be able to make a living doing what you love, it doesn't get any better than that. Now, what's the reaction been so far? I know you just opened uh, downtown here. I imagine you must be excited having Circa moving in and so forth. This place is only going to get more exciting and more people and so forth. Oh, absolutely. The, we're getting a great response off the people that know that we're back here. I mean, we're, we're 100 feet off of uh, Fremont Street, so we have to direct the people back here. So we're putting all our marketing in place right now. But the people that have found us have had nothing but great things to say, and they all get out of here with a smile on their face. You're in the Neapolis building, which was before movie theaters. It's really kind of nice to see businesses such as yours in here kind of bring a new excitement to this part of town again. No, absolutely. And this building is, is having a resurgence. Uh, it's basically completely leased, 98% leased right now. There's uh, Cat's Meow up in the front. Ken Henderson is doing Notoriety Theaters upstairs, which is, I believe, about 80,000 square feet. We're in here. Uh, they've done something with the other side of the building. There's a new uh, structure going in. Um, I can't even think of all the things that they're doing here. But I, basically, all the space is leased, and they're talking about another huge project here. So it's going to be going to be phenomenal here in the next year or so. Yeah, and it's really exciting because for a while there was fear that this was going to be wasted space. I mean, all of a sudden, it's unusual in Las Vegas to see things not succeed. And when they do, of course, they close here. <laughs> no, absolutely. You're easily replaced. Like in a race car, the easiest thing to fix and replace is the driver. So, you know, that's how buildings work here in Vegas. Well, let's tell folks what they can do because this is really a lot of fun. First, the, the spot here on Fremont Street. Obviously, everybody knows how to get to Fremont Street. Do, is it good for, to get a reservation, or how does that how does that work if somebody wants to add this to their uh, list of things they must do? You just come down here and sign up, and if there's a long wait, we text you when it's uh, 15 minutes prior to your race. So it's it's at it. You can go cruise around on Fremont Street, but right now you, you come in and you'll probably be a pretty short line to get in here, and you'll get right out there. 
and I know the location near the airport, uh, you're going through some changes there, uh, just some remodel and stuff, but you're going to be open real soon, is that correct? Yeah, September 15th is our reopening, so we're only you know a few days away. What do you tell people that want to race in the heat like that? Uh, you better be prepared for it, right? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I'll stay here in the office. That's what I tell them. No, I mean, it's, it's just a matter of, you know, keep hydrated. Uh, and then the majority of our customers are tourists that come from out of town. They've already booked the, already booked the tickets, and they want to fit it in their daily schedule, whatever they're doing. And, and they just withstand the heat, and I, we really don't get that many complaints. And we have fresh water. There are bottles of cold water waiting for them when they're done. And, you know, it's not, not a deal where... We're not trying to sell them water. We hand them water, and we, we take care of them. We don't want anybody to – we're there to give them a good time. That's what it is. You don't want to miss it. Gene Woods Racing Experience, a lot of fun. And where do we go online to find out a little bit more before we come out here? You go to Go-Karts Las Vegas. That's G-O-K-A-R-T-S, lasvegas.com. We will. Hey, thanks so much, Gene. Thank you. Thank you very much. Gene offers visitors a total adrenaline rush from racing indoor electric carts at the Fremont Street Experience to – outdoor gas carts at the Las Vegas Sports Center. After a fun day of racing go-karts, what's better than an old-style Vegas dinner? Your Vegas insider, Scott Robin of VitalVegas.com, knows where to go. There's a lot of places around here, right, where you can get those kind of old meals that maybe the Rat Pack used to eat, you know, places where they have Sherry's Jubilee and Bananas Foster, you know, flaming desserts are hard to find these days. That's true. The Flaming Desserts, I, that was a great band, by the way. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's true. A, a lot of these places, like the Golden Steer, will do these table-side presentations that you really just can't find in the newer places. And there are guys in there that have been doing this stuff for f- literally 40 years, and it's still very good quality, pretty good value. And I, I seek them out because I kind of like that old school vibe, that old school service. Another steakhouse is the one at Circus Circus where these guys have just been doing, and they mostly are guys uh, for whatever reason. That's Vegas. Uh, some inherent sexism, uh, but uh, for better or worse. And But these guys have been doing this for year, for decades. So, you know, you got one thing to do. You're going to do it the best, and they. I, I seek those places out. I think they are, they are gems in Las Vegas. Thanks, Scott. Remember to visit VitalVegas.com every day for the very latest Vegas news. Coming up next is Sports Rock and Tours. If your local station doesn't carry it, go to Sports R-A-C-X wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Sports R-A-C-X. It's short for Sports Rock and Tours. And please follow Vegas Never Sleeps and Sports Rockin' Tours on all social media platforms, including Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks for listening today. This is Stephen Manchie reminding you, Vegas Never Sleeps. Vegas, here we go!